Welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. I'm Jennifer Diane Gostin, your host. Storytelling is just one of the best ways for adoptees to convey what has happened in their life from their perspective and a great way to open up to the adoption community. You, the listening audience, will have the opportunity through episodes in this podcast to learn, dissect, and grapple with some of the issues involving those of us separated from our family of origin. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation, validation even, that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing. The guest today is Michelle Madrid, and I learned of her through Simon Ben, the podcast host of Thriving Adoptees, and Lisa Ann, the podcast host of Wandering Tree. I was happy for both of them to see the value in having her on my podcast. Michelle is an international adoptee, former foster child in the UK, and an adoptee empowerment life coach who has been recognized as an Angels in Adoption honoree by the Congressional Coalition on Adoption Institute and inducted into the New Mexico Women's Hall of Fame for her work in adoption. She recently published a book, Let Us Be Greater, A Gentle Guided Path to Healing for Adoptees. I had the opportunity to receive a copy and read it before this recording. I enjoyed taking in her words, and during this episode, we will discuss some of what adoptee self-care looks like. Michelle will read from parts of her book at perfect times to convey how she has come to understand the transformations all of us can undertake if we are the least bit willing to investigate our purpose in life. As an author, speaker, podcast host, of the electricity of you, and in her words, an igniter of your illuminating potential. You'll hear Michelle share what she is able to offer her children as an adoptive parent because she is an adoptee. On Michelle's website, she states, we deserve to step into the bright and warm summer light, letting joy, ease, and relief soak into our skin. We deserve to plug into the passion, play, and purposes in life. All of that resonates with me, and that we all deserve better, and always have. Allow me to introduce you to someone who has tapped into spirituality as a tool, and is intentional about sharing with others, particularly fellow adoptees, how it has benefited her. She has written these words. I know what it's like to feel so disconnected from your spark that you're not even sure it exists anymore. Let me say with certainty, your light is still there, just waiting for you to let it shine. Michelle, it is such a privilege and an honor to have you as a guest on Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. So welcome. Thank you. I'm hugely honored to be here with you on this day. Hmm. You know, I know you're in Southern California. I always say the West Coast is the best coast. How are you doing over there? Oh, thank you for asking. It's actually bright and sunny outside. I'm loving looking out of my window and seeing the contrast of light and shadow sort of dancing around and being playful in nature. I live in the Santa Monica Mountains in California, outside of Los Angeles. You know, I love dipping into LA, but then I love (laughs) coming home because I'm most comfortable in nature and with animals. And so this little spot that God has gifted me with has been just a beautiful little haven for me. I would say that I know we're entering into fall here, but it sort of doesn't feel that. We've been like in the 80s and the hint of summer, but they say that cooler weather is on the way, so I will trust in that. 
but it's it's a beautiful day here. So, you know, again, to look outside of my window and see the mountains and nature and also then to be here with you in this space and hear your calming, illuminating voice is, you know, just a double blessing. So thank you. Mm, I appreciate the compliment. And I know that you're an author, a speaker, life coach, an igniter of your illuminating potential. And you have a very impressive and beautiful website that I had an opportunity to visit. So I am so glad you have that up and running so well. And I want to say from one podcaster to another, because you have launched the electricity of you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes, I'll be releasing the fourth episode soon. It is in its infancy. I feel really honored to have launched it into the world and to have, you know, the kind of meaningful conversations that you can have within, you know, the space of a podcast, just a conversation and sharing. I I love that one-on-one with each other. Um, And so I'm learning and I'm growing within this podcast world. And so I I look at you as one of my eye holes. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, you know, I'm learning as I go. Well, I think I have talked a little bit on the podcast about how Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land started, but it was certainly something I knew nothing about. I listened to plenty of podcasts, but I never saw myself as a podcaster. Yeah, I'm happy to continue learning and growing, and I think that's really what life is about. As I was telling you before I push record, I've been substituting the word adventure instead of journey because I think that for me an adventure implies oh let, like let's see what's going to happen and it's not always going to be without its challenges but somehow going in with the mindset that I'm excited about what's next because we just don't know life is so full of twists and turns and uncertainty and so I I think this podcasting is just evidence to me that, yeah, you can just put one foot in front of the other and continue to learn and grow from other podcasters, from from other people doing whatever work they're doing. So I I totally agree. Absolutely. And, you know, the electricity of you, for me, each time I record an interview, and, you know, again, I'm just on episode four, I say to myself, the pureness of my purpose is electric. And I would offer that to each and every one of us to really connect to the pureness of our purpose, where we really plug into that sense of adventure and excitement. I think those are clues that we're on the right track to living out our calling. And when we plug into that place, um, we do feel an electricity. So the pureness of your purpose is electric. Hmm. That's my mantra lately. (laughs) Yeah. And I love the title of your podcast. Yeah, I do. And I love the title of your book, Let Us Be Greater, A Gentle Guided Path to Healing for Adoptees. I had an opportunity to read it, and we're going to get into that a little bit because I it's tabbed up. I got tabs all over the place, and there's no way we're going to cover them all. I know that already. But I'm, I'm trusting the universe to guide me on what's going to be the most meaningful for you and I, but certainly for the listener. So I I told you that I, I wanted to read from page 180. It was just so beautifully written by you. And you write, Thank you. I truly believe that the adoptee community is at a tipping point, a critical threshold, where... Voice by voice, we're creating shifts in perception and illuminating truth within the adoption conversation. These shifts are beginning to spread like wildfire and are reflected in the growing conversations and connections being made online as adoptees find each other on a global level. I can say with all certainty that my online adoptee community has been a tremendous source of support education, and comfort for me. I know this is also the case for many other adoptees. The most healing bit of awareness is the knowing that we are not alone. And I want to say that again because you put an exclamation mark. The most 
healing bit of awareness is knowing that we are not alone. The shifts being made as adoptees connect aren't meant to destroy, but to clear away any debris, blocking a more inclusive conversation, one that better supports adoptees both individually and collectively, no matter their age, their experience, or their perspective. If there's one thing I know with all that I am, it is this, our ability to be real, raw, and transparent about our own human journey as adoptees is what will heal us, free us, and ignite our unstoppable, light-filled potential. All that's so beautifully written, and I want to say thank you for writing your book. So I didn't even know where to start, and I said, well, let me just ask Michelle, where would she like to start? Well, I, I, I want to say thank you for reading from my book. Um, I literally have jingles, and it's so beautiful to hear your voice put to my words. Because I, I remember writing that section, and I felt such a, I, I felt so connected to my pureness of purpose in writing every word in this book. But that, that particular section you just read really um, ignited me as I thought. Um, back on my own journey, the times when I felt voiceless as an adoptee, very much in the shadows of my own self, my own adventure, as you so aptly put it, um, but that when I began to connect with others, when I began to see the real value power of an imperfect story, when I began to speak that story out loud and sometimes through trembling hands and tears and a, a, you know, a breathless voice when in the early beginnings of sharing my story was so scary. You know, there were times I remember standing in front of audiences thinking I'm surely going to, you know, throw up <laughs> just like it, I felt so much in the um, unleashing of my truth. And then little by little, I began to feel so empowered by that. And so I do believe as we connect adoptee to adoptee, as we share our stories, as we hold each other and see each other within the sharing, we are creating this beautiful transformational tipping point. And that comes with a whole lot of healing, yes, individually and ultimately collectively as a community. It is such a passion within me to help to ignite that sense of unstoppable light-filled potential within each and every adoptee because you know what it it is it was my I was hungry for that growing up you know as an adoptee I desired that I wanted to find that place within myself and and unleash what I knew innately was was mine to own and to claim, which is the truth of my story and the truth of my identity, who I'm here, what I'm here to do. And so um, I would start just by saying that the connection within this community has been deeply enriching for me. Mm, I, too, believe that it has been one of the best decisions that I've made many years ago to be better connected. And, and it's such a beautiful give and take that I have received while most importantly feeling this sense of belonging, you know, being in the same space with another adoptee and, and really all the members of the constellation um, as we together sit in the same space, whether it's online or in the same room, because I've been to many conferences, I have just come to feel a sense of belonging and not having to fit in. And that's that's been a real gift that I've given myself. And, and I like to think I've given a gift to others as well by showing up. I love that so much because that piece of not fitting in Growing up as an adoptee, I believe, in my own journey, in my own adventure, was very painful for me. I tried to fit in in order, I think, to stay safe from 
you know, those, those fears of rejection and that desire to be loved and embraced and kept and cherished, all of those desires that I held within my young self. And being different really was uncomfortable for me. And I certainly felt very different, you know, and I tried to hide that. I wanted to sort of be invisible in some ways um, and just move through life that way. And when I began to embrace that I am unique, that I have a unique and important story, that I am different and that's okay because that makes me uniquely who I am. And I began to embrace those parts of myself. It really helped me, I think, grow into a place of wholeness and acceptance that is so important as an individual, you know, adoptee or non-adoptee, the beautiful gift of self-acceptance that has been along my own adventure, um, something that I have triumphed over that contrast of feeling like I needed to be like everyone else in order to be loved I needed to fit in and the awareness on the other side of, no, I just need to be me. And stepping into the truth of me may mean that I lose some people along the way, but I am at a point in my life where I'm no longer willing to lose myself. Mm, That was really good. I know throughout your book, all 10 chapters, I found myself feeling like, yes, I've heard a lot of, of this before in a different way. And the way you put it together as a guide, right, a gentle guided path. For adoptees, I, I, I think you nailed it. And I remember getting to chapter eight, the pitfalls of performance, the pain of pleasing others versus pleasing the self. And I thought, well, I'll, yeah, of course I'm going to read this chapter, but I was never a people pleaser, right? That doesn't resonate with me. And I have heard many adoptees say they were. When you write about one of your clients, Cindy comes out of the fog And she Mm -hmm. came to you for coaching, and she basically was saying that she, you know, life felt blurry, you write, and it was as if she could see letters on the vision chart but couldn't clearly make them out. Her sense of isolation grew as she was left to wonder alone about her bio family and bio story. I pause, right, because I was silenced about talking about adoption. And then you write, Cindy, like so many adoptees, felt forced to bow out of her feelings and to take a sledgehammer to any thoughts about her adoption. And that's when I think I had an awakening that I have never had before. And I'll share with you a a situation that happened back in October. So let me say, it happened the first week of October. And I was invited to go on a retreat, and I was excited. I had been excited for months about this retreat, and I was going to be a facilitator, a co-facilitator. And I will speak about this situation that had an outcome that, that I did not expect. But for now, I'll just say there was a turn of events where I had to leave the retreat. It was no fault of the organizers or any of the adoptees that were a part of this event. It was just something that came up in me where I had to make a decision about staying or leaving, and basically because of the part of the country that I was in. So fast forward, I relay this story to another adoptee, and she says to me, I would have people pleased. I would have stayed. And I remember in that moment thinking, is this right? You know, I have been expected to be here and I have never backed out of, you know, an invitation such as that. So I'm posing to you the question because it really has got me thinking, when is it considered people-pleasing to stay and when is it trusting your instincts to leave? I believe it's people-pleasing when it hurts you when you're doing something that ultimately hurts yourself, something where you feel a sense of loss within yourself, a disconnection from your truth. And 
that is, you know, for me, I will I'll be very transparent in saying people pleasing was my strongest, most challenging point of pain along my adoptee adventure. And I work with that each and every day of checking in with myself and making sure that the decisions I'm making are in alignment with my truth and my values. The people I choose to spend time with align with my values, lift me up, remind me of the greatness that I possess within, within as I remind them of their own innate greatness and potential. I have learned along the journey, along this adventure, that showing up for myself is such an empowering, life-affirming, life-altering choice. And that to lose myself in the pleasing of others is the greatest abandonment, to lose myself in that way. I vowed many years ago never to leave myself again, never to abandon myself again. And when I made that covenant with myself, that's when I began to recover from my own people-pleasing tendencies, which were rooted in the fear of rejection and the desire to be loved and, and kept. And, you know, I want to love myself and keep myself healthy and connected and enjoy and in the light of my life. And anything opposite of that takes me down to a place of darkness, I think, along the path of shadow. And I don't want to live that way anymore. And as you read about Cindy on page 182, I say, here's the bottom line. Transparency, even when it's painful, even when it does not fall on welcoming ears, is absolutely necessary. It's vital that adoptees be real and raw with themselves and with others. Otherwise, they may find themselves disconnecting and disengaging. They may even feel irreversibly disempowered. And so I can look back at my own life and I can see the moments where I felt disconnected and disengaged in my life and disempowered. And they all, for me, are rooted in that place of self um, you know being a being a pleaser of others over being a pleaser of myself mm. and i just mean by that i mean it's so important to fill ourselves up first with our truth being in alignment with our values with our truths and when we are in alignment with those things then we are not as easily moving off track of those things and i think that just leads us down you know a path of of feeling very much connected to who we are, engaged in our lives and empowered. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I appreciate you allowing me time to just kind of share something that happened that I wasn't really making the connection at the time that it was happening, what I was tapping into. And that was a sense of like honoring myself mm -hmm. and knowing that in that moment, that that decision was very important. So thank you for, for that. And, and the adoptee that said that to me really helped me to understand how important that is for all of us to do that, to recognize that that's really important. Very, very yes. important. Yeah. And what you say, the words honoring of self, absolutely. That is it. Because when we make choices and decisions that are, you know, more in line with pleasing others over honoring the self. I think that's when we can really dim our own light and it can feel really painful. And again, we, you know, I would say that, you know, we, we hurt ourselves in the doing of pleasing others. And so you can always check in, as you've so eloquently stated, in this moment, with this decision or choice, am I honoring myself? Am I honoring the self? 
or am I making a decision or choice that is pleasing others so that I can avoid maybe feeling that place of disconnection that feels uncomfortable for me? You know, I didn't want to feel disconnected growing up. I didn't want to feel not embraced. But ultimately, what I learned is when I was making decisions that pleased others, I was disconnecting. I was disconnecting from the honoring of self that is so key in life, in living a life that feels whole and and truly connected to who we are and the fullness of who we are and what we're here to do in this life. And so I just want to say I, I honor you for being aware in that moment, in, in that setting of making the choice that was first and foremost an honoring of yourself. Thank you. And I know Cindy was talking about, you know, coming out of the fog in her experience as an adoptee. And I know that on page 69, you have a different definition or you have a meaning that you've assigned to it. You want to talk a little bit about frequently observing grief? Yes. Thank you so much. Because, you know, coming out of the fog has been, been something that I've heard for quite some time. And I would ask myself, well, what does that mean for me? I think it can have a unique meaning to each adoptee and, and certainly the timing of coming out of the fog and what that feels like, what that looks like for you. But I write in this stage, you know, and I'm, I'm moving through a chapter where we're talking about the permission to grieve and and the stages of grief that we can move through, knowing that, you know, grieving is not linear, healing is not linear, we can move you know, one step forward, two steps back, side to side. One day we may feel strong, the next day we may not feel as strong. But to be with ourselves and to move with ourselves and to be tender and gentle with ourselves as we move through what we need to feel in order to heal. But I write that for me, fog, coming out of the fog, F-O-G, means frequently observing grief. And it's a time when adoptees begin to witness their grief, the hidden parts of themselves, and the hurts that have been buried deep. And I write, consider the power of light. It burns off fog. Light makes things clear. When adoptees bring the grieving parts of themselves into the light, clarity begins to set in. So for me, it was that moment in my life where I began to be aware that there was indeed something for me to grieve as an adoptee, that I had had a very real loss in my life. You know, being removed from my my mom in the UK, she placed me in foster care um, as a baby. And the loss that I felt on a cellular level in that moment of life before I could even speak to the grief sat with me on a cellular level. It was there through the experience of foster care, through the experience of being adopted by an American family, that grief was housed within me. And the stacking of that hurt was there. And it continued to stack and stack and stack um, as I hid it away and did not observe that it was there, didn't feel safe to, you know, observe my own sense of hurt, sense of loss, feelings of grief within. Um, there was a time I didn't even know that was a real thing. I thought, why do I feel this way? Am I the only one who feels this way? I felt very isolated within my own hurt. But when I began to frequently observe the grief and take note of it and be curious about it and ask myself, could this be grief? Could this thought, this limiting belief that I'm feeling be associated with a sense of grief and hurt deep within myself that I've not explored or done the work of healing? And when I began to frequently observe my grief, I think it's really when I began to emerge out of the fog. And that is my my take on coming out of the fog, is allowing myself to observe the grief of what was a very real loss in my life, the trauma of losing my first family, my first parents, my first country, my first culture, and coming to a different country, being raised in a different culture, and so very often told that, you know, I should just be grateful and just move forward. And what happened before really doesn't matter. 
and it does matter. And it's important to observe our own feelings, the hurts, the grief, all of it, even the triumphs and the joy, because this adventure is in great part an adventure of both ends. It's really important to be willing to observe those places within ourselves that are calling out to us to come to, to learn more about, to excavate, and to ultimately heal. Oh, your words is so beautiful. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. And it, it makes me think when you write on page 25, you say, I'm not a scientist, but in my opinion, the above evidence, and you were talking about Lipton in the prior mm. paragraph, Bruce Lipton, who wrote the book, yes. The Biology of Belief, Unleashing the Power of Consciousness, Matter, and Miracles. But you it's say, yeah. yeah, you say, I'm not a scientist, but in my opinion, the above evidence goes a long way in supporting what many adoptees have felt and are just beginning to express out loud. I was there. These three words have been perhaps the most unspoken and understated words in the adoptee community. It's time for this truth to be spoken within the wider adoption conversation. The belief that adoptees didn't feel the bonds created within their first mother's womb, or they didn't sense their hearts breaking at the severing of those bonds, is highly detrimental. And science is proving that this belief is false. As I sat and listened to Dr. Lipton's presentation, it became crystal clear that adoptees were there for it all. They just haven't been given the space to openly explore and express what that means for them. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for reading that. I. You know, as you read that, I'm like, it goes back to, for me to the pe- the people pleasing, you know, when I am and frequently observing grief, you know, when I was able to sit there and listen to Dr. Lipton and as he began, it, it felt like divine intervention that I was there and he was talking on this subject and he, he writes in his book, you know, the lesson for adoptive parents is that they should not pretend their children's lives began when they came into their new surroundings their children may have already been programmed with a belief that they are unwanted or unlovable. Um, he goes on to say, if more fortunate, they may have at some crucial age in their development received positive life-affirming messages from their caretakers. If adoptive parents are not aware of pre- and perinatal programming, they may not deal realistically with post-adoption issues. And I think, you know, it's so important for um, adoptive parents to understand that your children didn't arrive to you as blank slates. They've experienced a loss, and that loss very likely began in the womb where they took on and received the information, um, the emotions, the circumstances that their mothers were feeling in the world. They experienced that in the womb. They say, science says, when we are in the womb, we are not mother and child. We are mother-child. We are one. And so it would make sense to me that we experience what our mothers experience. And we come into the world with a lot of information. Yes, indeed, we were there. When I began to say and claim out loud to myself and to others, I was there. It helped me to begin to process my own sense of loss and grief. And also the loss and the grief and the trauma that my birth mother felt because we experienced that together. It opened my heart wide open for my first mother. Yes. And that was a beautiful gift, you know? And for me, it also explained a lot about my own people-pleasing tendencies because I was not, for such a long time in my life, claiming these things. I was not frequently observing my grief. I was not claiming I was there. And so, I fell into these patterns of really, I I believe, very much rooted in a survival mode. How do I survive? Well, I please others. I make sure they're happy, even if it hurts me, even if it makes me unhappy. That was the pattern of behavior and the pattern of thought that I fell into. I don't live that way anymore. I love myself a lot more now 
I look at my own, you know, path of healing and these moments, these adoptee awakenings, as I call them, of understanding that I was there and that holds meaning. And I, and I need to look at those things. What does that mean for me? I was fortunate enough to have, you know, conversation with my first mom in England. I reunited with her as a teenager. And um, I was able to have, you know, conversations with her around these things. And sometimes in the beginnings, it was, they were not conversations that went deep. But there was one moment I remember as an adult visiting her and she wanted, I write about this in the book, she wanted to show me something in her, in her bedroom. And so I went in her bedroom with her and she pulled out from this shallow drawer um, a piece of paper and she gave it to me and it was the relinquishment letter. It was the original relinquishment letter that she signed. And I had a copy of it. I had been given a copy of it since I was much younger in a file that I had. But this was the original one. And if I can, I can I read just a little bit of this section for you? Yes, I'm um, happy for you to read. Yes. I said to my mother, um, to my mom, when she handed me the letter, I said, I have the copy of this letter, but I've, I've never seen the original. Somehow, mom, this hits me differently. It makes me so sad. It's as if I can feel your hand pressing against the paper as you signed your name here, giving up your rights to raise me. And I began to weep uncontrollably, and Mum began to weep too. She said, I never wanted to let you go. I agonized over the decision, but I had no choice, or at least I didn't believe that I had any choice. I need you to know that I didn't want to let you go. Mum fell into my arms, and I embraced her. I rocked her like a little baby and said, I have missed Julia Dawn all my life, Mum. And I will say that is my first me, the name I had before I was adopted. I haven't known how to grieve her or where to place her. I haven't known how to grieve you or where to place you either. It's been so hard. As hard as it's been for me, I know that it's been hard for you too. We both lost so much. I'm truly glad that you chose to bring me into this world, but my entire life has been spent trying to come back to something inside myself that I feel removed from. I think that thing is self-love, Mum. I think that when you relinquished your rights to raise me, I may have unknowingly relinquished my rights to love me. Mum and I cried for the longest time. There was so much grief to let out, so much grief still to process. Looking back on my first mother's relinquishment letter, I see that it represented more than her parental rights being given up. It also represented my relinquishment of any sense of inner value, self-love, and worth. And so I, I, I felt compelled to read from that section because I think claiming the truth that I was there, the journey of grieving out loud for myself, frequently observing my grief and you know, acknowledging that the loss that I experienced is real, adoption loss is real, it is a trauma. These things began to like, like you know, bricks along the path, one by one, claiming these things, speaking these things out loud, being open to receiving these truths that are real for me, um, began to move me forward, step by step, breath by breath, along my own healing journey. Yeah, I thank you. Thank you so much for reading that. And, you know, I'm just so glad you wrote your book. I listen and have been for many years to a spiritual teacher, Eckhart Tolle. And when I saw your words about him in your book towards the end, I lit up because I said to me, your book is what he often speaks about when it comes to cultivating your garden. Each of us has a responsibility to cultivate our garden. And I think your book is a good guide a gentle guided path for adoptees. I just appreciate the way you, and these are the three things that have been so clear to me about being a a good human being. First, being compassionate, being able to hold space for grace for others, and to feel empathy 
for others. And I felt that throughout your book. So thank you. And I will definitely have links in the show notes to your website and to wherever your book is is found. I really encourage everyone to get a copy. I know I've got to honor your time. We're getting close to the hour. The most rewarding things that we can ever do in life is to be a parent. And you are a parent, an adoptive parent. And I really want you to share with us how meaningful that has been for you. Oh, thank you for asking that. Yes, I am an adoptee who has an adopt who has adopted. I have um, two children of international adoption: Ian, who is from Russia, and Aviana, who is from Ethiopia. They are my loves, and I think if I look back along this adventure as an adoptive parent, I think what has been very meaningful is I think. Having the ability to understand, the ability to hold sacred space for my children's first family, first country, first identity, first language, all of it. The ability to know that my children did not come to me as blank slates. I have an acute awareness of that. Their earliest origins, their earliest story came with them. Their ancestors came with them, are a part of them, and surround them each and every day. I remind my children of that often. You know, those things are rooted in a loss that is significant. Their story is rooted in a loss that is significant and one that they must feel safe to explore. And so it is meaningful that they know that I am a safe space to enter as they do their own meaningful work of self-exploration, healing and becoming, identifying what um, this journey, this adventure as an adoptee means to them, narrating their own life and what that looks like, feels like, is like for them. It's meaningful that we can excavate those things together, adoptee to adoptee. I think that has been really powerful and meaningful for me as an adoptive parent, something that I can offer them that I was not offered growing up as an adoptee. So you're giving them what you did not receive? Yes. Yes. And I think that is a liberating, a liberating gift. Mm. I can't give to them what I have yet to receive, but I do offer them what I did not, what I was not offered growing up. But I had to first, as you so beautifully stated, I had to first cultivate my own garden. I had to do this work of healing myself, coming home to myself, reuniting the deepest parts of myself, standing tall and strong in that soil so that I can offer my children a mother who is healthy and whole and, yes, also has journeyed this adoptee journey and can offer my own perspective and bits of wisdom to them when they ask. I can help to facilitate those conversations in a way that I, I think is, is, is of depth, that is enriching and is certainly tremendously meaningful. You know, I knew that I wouldn't come close to asking you everything that I wanted to and to refer to all these tabs I have in your book, but I I feel like this has been a beautiful conversation. I feel like you really held space for me in a moment when you are the guest, so I definitely want to thank you again for that. And when you talk about the inner child and you talk about the first me, It makes me smile. It makes me understand that what I need to be mindful of and intentional about, and I am pretty good about it. I embrace my inner child, and I am interested in in what she wants to do and what she likes. You talk about that in the book. It's like you can continue to grow in those areas. So I feel like your book is saying, yes, keep going forward. Keep, you know, the things I know, you help me to remember what I already know and to, yeah, and to embrace it 
even more fully. And oh, I love that. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Because this came to me the other day. And I said, Michelle, remember to remember. <laughs> Just keep, keep that, you know, remember to remember. And you have the permission <laughs> to remember yeah. all parts of yourself, all parts of this adventure. Yeah. And to just embrace those things and wrap them into your, you know, the fabric of your being, just like this warm blanket, right? And so I love that you say that. And yes, it is, I hope this book is that encouraging friend that says, keep going, keep going. Because we never stop, stop learning and growing, right? right? When we continue to cultivate and nourish our inner soil like a garden, it grows and grows and grows and more discoveries are waiting to be made. That's and right. so... You know, together, adoptee to adoptee, inside of this beautiful community, we can continue to encourage each other to keep going, to never stop. Never, never stop. Never, and never give up. Never, never stop. So in closing, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? Oh, my goodness. No, I, this was so beautiful. <laughs> I know. It's just... So beautiful. I, I didn't really talk a lot. I, I did because I read from the book a little bit about my own adoptee journey. But I'm so grateful that you pulled from those areas of the book that you that came to you and, and um, wanted to be highlighted within our conversation. I'm so grateful for that. And Cindy's journey and, you know, coming out of the fog. And it's just, it is, I would say, such an honor to behold and such an honor to hold um, adoptee stories within that sacred space and allow adoptees to, you know, as you do within your podcast setting. And I know that you speak with members of the adoption constellation. I think that's very important because every voice matters. And when we are able to lean into differing perspectives, I think we grow and we come away with a, a deeper meaning of what this adventure really is. And hopefully we grow as you put, you know, hearts that are more compassionate, grace-filled, and filled with also a tremendous amount of empathy. And so I just appreciate the opportunity to speak adoptee to adoptee. It is hugely meaningful and enriching to me. I don't know what I ever did without it, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I did it either. (laughs) We tried our best. We did the best we could, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I know. I love Maya Angelou, and she says, you know, when you know better, you do better. And, you know, we have been there for ourselves, and we have done our best. And now, you know, as we speak out loud, and we are willing to, and we're willing to use our voices, we... And, and connect, we begin to know better. And so we begin to do better. And that's what we're all here to do, to do better by this adoptee community and the adoption community. I so agree. Thank you so much for Thank taking you. the time out of your full, truly full schedule to have this Thank conversation you. with me. And I would love to have you on the electricity of you. I know I'm, I'm starting to look at 2024 and the schedule but I would love to have you on because I would just love to explore your adventure of, you know, finding the light and you are so divinely driven in your work. And I think it would be a very meaningful conversation. Well, I thank you for the invitation and I'm happy to be a guest. Thank you. Thank you. For the past two years, I've been asking myself, why would I hoard information that has been an asset or of a value to me? It just might be helpful to someone else. I now embrace a sense of responsibility to carry the message to others in my own way, just as Michelle did and is doing by stepping into a loving space of grace through her chosen path as a life coach. I imagine her clients allowing themselves to emotionally grow and feel the weight of the world a little or a lot less. Michelle walked away from a career in journalism to create real change in the lives of women like her. That was an extraordinary life-giving decision to say yes to moving beyond the shadows that consumed most of her life. 
I have nearly two dozen tabs throughout Michelle's book of what strongly spoke to me. Time did not permit to explore all of them, so I want to share two separate paragraphs that eloquently validate the experience of many adoptees. On page 61 to 62, and the other from page 155 to 156, will likely resonate with most, if not all, adopted people. Here's a question for consideration. Even if an adoptee is content, can they still be allowed space to honor their first me, to honor where they came from, and to embrace who they were before they were adopted? Can adoptees, no matter their perspective and experience, be given the space to explore both the shadow and the shine of their adoptee journey? As a society, we have lost and stand to lose much more if we don't give adoptees the opportunity to explore all sides of their story, the biology and biography of who they are, and to grieve, express, and process their loss. Through DNA testing or any other kind of search, adoptees aren't necessarily looking to be embraced back into their biological families or expecting deep and long relationships with their bio family members. What they do desire and what is a basic human right to be honored is the knowledge of their biological identity and the hope that some pieces of medical history might also be made available to them. Thank you, Michelle, for having this conversation with me. From the first audiovisual meeting we effortlessly co-created in September of this year until now, I felt a sincere and appreciative connection with you. All the times we have engaged through the different forms of technology, you have been a calming, peaceful, and illuminating force for me. I could feel your energy of light, a beautiful electricity even, as a compassionate and empathetic human being. I have a strong knowing that if you did that for me, you do that for so many other people, adopted or not, through your work. If you're an adoptee and would like to share your adoption journey, visit jenniferdianegoston.com. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow and or give, hopefully, a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I trust you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is still the very best way for the show to grow. Thank you for being here.